0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: I'm not trying to make things harder for you. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Oh my God, mom doesn't know everything. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. Not a huge
1: fan so far. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. You can't take it personally, but they're saying, like, Mom, you're such an idiot.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about tweens. Tweens. Why
1: they are. Tweens. How they are. Yes. Because, I mean, it's the definition is they're literally tween. They're between childhood and adulthood. They're between you know, 11 and 13, I guess. That's what the tween comes from. They're betwixt and between. Yes. And it's actually changed. I looked this up. Tweens didn't come like it was in the Oxford Dictionary as like a sort of abbreviation for between, but used as a a way to describe a group of people kind of came into being in the 80s, mostly as a,
0: I would have said later. It was. I
1: found an article from the 90s, which is so funny. I'll put the link in the show notes from Newsweek. Like, here's what a tween is. And it's like... What is a tween? <laughs> it's like the people listening right now. It's like, do they like Spice Girls? Are they sassy? Mm-hmm. Do they like everything with sparkles on them? Then you may have a tween.
0: Also, I'm realizing that in the age before the internet, we didn't need 5 billion think pieces. There was no market for like 12 signs. You've got a tween in the household. Like we didn't need quite as much like cute terminology content as we now do to feed the internet machine constantly with like listicles and parenting articles. Like you got your parenting magazine once a month. That was it. Yeah, that's right. You didn't need like all this talk of twins.
1: This was driven by like when tweens came around, it was to describe a a group of people to market to. Mm. You know, this wasn't a developmental psychology term. This was a, you know, think group sitting around a, a conference table somewhere like what if we market to this group? And that's how it was first conceived and they are marketed to, which I think is both completely predictable but also kind of part of the Problem. So we'll get to why that is that, like, I would argue that tweens can start becoming super, super sassy because that is what they're mirrored back to them as the way that they're supposed to behave. Like, hand on hand. You're going to have to convince me a little bit more of that, but yeah hand on hip giving mom an attitude like every character i just saw a tiktok this morning like a gender reveal that was super funny because it was a bunch of it was a large italian family from staten island like i'm your nana and i think it's a boy i'm you know amphibian i think it's a girl And and anyway so the big sister was standing there like throwing major attitude like you know i'm the big sister and i know it's a boy and i thought like that's so interesting like she's there's nothing wrong with it other than that, like she's putting on a behavior that she thinks is how an 11-year-old is supposed to behave because that's how the 11-year-olds she sees on TV and on TikTok behave, that there's like
0: a super tossing of hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is it, and I don't know, but I'm just positing, because I definitely was always struck by the fact that my nieces... My sister-in-law is very sporty, kind of like a serious person, definitely not like girly girl in this sort of typical way. And I get that they were exposed to more people than her. But I was really shocked when at like three, they would come out with like these giant doe eyes with like a piece of like string around, like hanging down, and be like, This is my jewelry. And they were acting like Marilyn Monroe. And I'm like, where are they get? They didn't watch a lot of TV. Like, I'm not saying they lived in a vacuum. They obviously saw images, but it made me think that it goes deeper than that. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know nature versus nurture, but I'm not 100% convinced that tweens act like that because it's modeled to them. I feel like I have seen it come out of my 11-year-old in a way that is shocking to me and that I don't just think she's mimicking things she sees. It feels... To me that it is radiating from some part of her core, this like sassy eye rolling self does not seem like a bit to me.
1: The thing that the marketers are getting at, the thing that they circled, which I think is exactly right about kids this age, is that when they were going to market to these tweens, the way to market to them. They decided tweens need to be marketed to as if they are two to three years older than they are with the persona of an experienced teen. So when you market to so, I mean, think about I used to get Young Miss magazine that doesn't exist anymore, but 17 still around the girls on the cover of the magazine were you know, 18, 19. And the girls reading it were not 17. They were 13, 14, like me, right? I wanted to be 17. I wanted to see myself as 17. So I read a magazine that talked to me as if I was 17, knowing that I was actually 14 reading it. They know the age of their target reader.
0: Well, I can attest that I wrote a ton of children's television and the whole idea. I mean, need we look any further than my platinum opus, The Brats* movie? I mean... But the whole idea is, like, that's for eight-year-olds, but they want to see what cool teens are doing. Like, it's very, very, like, but again, I don't think that's just marketing. I think eight-year-olds want to be teenage girls. I don't think... It's selling it.
1: But then Bratz is selling them like, and this is how teenage girls behave. Like, we're super sassy. And so then then the 11-year-old acts that way in order to try to act 14.
0: I'm not I mean, I think marketing is definitely part of it, but I'm less convinced that it is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That it's creating it or it's reflecting it. I think I'm ter- more, it's reflecting it and you are more, it's creating it. I think it's probably both, right? Like, there have been long articles written about how, like, the mafioso
1: people in New Jersey started to act like the characters on The Sopranos, because they were sort of, right? Like, they start to act like Goodfellas and Sopranos, because that's a reflection. It's an ecosystem. Right. So I think you're right. And anyway, they, the people who want our kids to buy more clothes and buy more stuff know that this age is aspirational, right? As you were saying, like, it must come from within somewhat. And they're like, great, let's take advantage of it. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. And I think, I mean, what I think in general is that wherever the behavior comes from, I now have to deal with it in my house. I have a, <laughs> Guess I have an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And I get that 13 and 14 are technically teens, but I'm soaking in it, as Amy likes to say. I am deep in tween teen, and I'm going to just say not a huge fan so far.
1: How would you define, so let's talk about the definition of tween because back in the 80s it was defined as like a 10 to 12 year old. Like if the 13 is officially a teenager, so tween would be 10 to 12. And now I feel like you see people saying as young as 8.
0: Yeah, I did not find that. I feel like my tween started tweening about 10. I think it is connected to hormones too. Yes, yes. And so we could do a whole wrap on how young women used to get their periods, you know, at 1415, maybe, and now a lot of kids are getting it at 910. Why? Hormones, food, who knows what's going on, better nutrition. There's a million different causes. But I think that the definition has to factor in some sort of like hormonal advance towards teendom because well, I have some for you. I have some. Oh, please. Because I was going to say eight was still like snuggly Mommy, you look like Barbie. And then 10 became like <laughs> comma, you moron at the end of every
1: sentence. So the National Institute of Mental Health has done research that shows that before puberty, like sort of pre-puberty, you can't see it, but it's starting to happen. The changes are starting to occur. The one of the first things that happens is there's a surge of production of gray matter in the brain. Okay. So that's where the changes are coming from. What's up with gray matter? What's it up to? Grey matter is just like the brain can do more things. Do you want, should we start talking about this? There's a lot of cognitive changes that take place at this age, which makes you be super sassy. I mean, I can see you're lighting up. You're at your home planet on your full power. Let's go for it. This is my home planet. But I do want to say, like, you're right there that puberty is creeping earlier, particularly for girls. And during the pandemic, there was a big step back even more and they're still trying to figure out why that was like more precocious puberty, not precocious puberty, that's like too early. This is more like a little too early. But like, ugh, I wish we weren't dealing with this at nine, but we are. And they think it might be like too much blue light from phones, or it might just be like the stress of the pandemic. They're not sure. But like, it's rolled back another like six months just in the last three years. Interesting. So like it or not, we're dealing with it sooner.
0: Yeah, not a fan.
1: Yeah. Anyway, the surge in gray matter. I am a neurologist,
0: as you know. And so the surge in gray matter <laughs> <laughs>
1: means
0: we need to put a little like tracker at the bottom of the video or like an insert on the audio. No, please do not take neurological advice from Amy Wilson. She just sits on the fire escape and tells people how sex works. Like it's not. Yeah. Well, I'll start with before we
1: get to like the nitty gritty of it. I'll start with what my brother in law just said to me last week. He's a, uh, a teacher. He's taught middle school, high school. I have a teenager right now who is volunteering as a teacher's assistant in a 5th grade classroom. a sort of a long-term service project. He loves it. So I guess those are tweens like 10-11. They of course he's 18, so they think he's like super awesome but also roast him mercilessly. It's just a, you know, a fun time that he's having. And my brother-in-law who's a teacher said, "Oh, I'm not surprised they put him in with 5th graders." And I said, why? And he said, well, every teacher knows that fifth graders are the sweet spot. They're the easiest to teach. And I said, why? And he's like, because like fourth, fifth grade, their brains are developed enough that they can do stuff. Like they can think a little more complex and do stuff, but they still really, really want to please the teacher. They're focused on the teacher and on doing a good job. And he said, "This tracks." as soon as you get to sixth grade, all of a sudden they're focused on one another and not on the teacher and too late. Too late. So you would never put an inexperienced teacher, he said, in like a sixth, seventh grade classroom because they're impossible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes a huge (laughs) amount of sense. And I do think that like... I think that it is harder to some degree for our generation that I think part of our identity is that like, we're awesome parents. We're not like our square dumb parents who didn't understand everything and couldn't relate to the kids. We're armed with the research, right? We've got, and also we're just fundamentally our kids besties because we're cool. We're a whole new thing, you know? And I think for us and for those who kind of have that mindset in which I'm, by the way, including myself, the cleaving that happens, the like separation that the kids must developmentally go through at this age is Personally harder. I remember very early on the podcast, you had older kids and I had like toddler kids, you know, so we've been doing the show for six, seven years, right? So you're, yeah. So your oldest was, so my kids were like three to six and your kids were, you know, just starting to hit queens. 7 to 12, right. And you would talk about like, it really kind of hurts when they turn on you. And I would kind of be like, what are you talking about? It's cute when they turn. I mean, it's not a thing. I could not understand what you were saying. And what you were saying is like, this painful separation where your little cute child is now looking at you like you stink is really emotionally difficult. And I just couldn't relate to it. And now- I'm soaking at it, Amy. Now it's come for me. Yeah. It's confusing and
1: it's the whiplash that happens at this time. Like it comes out of nowhere, right? All of a sudden one day your kid would be like, Why do you always like this mom? And you say in the door, like, Oh, he's like, What? Like we were just playing Monopoly. Like (laughs) what what happened? We, We were friends. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere and then five minutes later they're like, Can you tuck me in? I thought I heard a noise outside. Like they're both. And I think they sort of you know, toggle back and forth between sassy teen who doesn't eat anything and small child who still likes a glass of milk before bed. And it's the whiplash is, is confusing. And then they settle into teen, don't worry. And they're just always in the room. And then it's not, at least it's not confusing anymore where you stand.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think the tween phase is very much marked by You can still see their little kid self. And in fact, like if they trip and fall, they'll be like, mommy, kiss it and make it better still. I mean, they're still truly doing that stuff. Right, 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 right. But now you're getting flashes. One of my kids particularly has a very kind of angelic nature, just physically and personality wise. And I can remember thinking, this kid will never do this. They will never betray me. Like the other <laughs> sneaky guys, I see it coming. Verily I say, you shall not betray me. I thought the same thing. But no, yeah. no. Verily I say, it shall not be thus. And wow, is it thus. I mean, and it is quite surprising when your little angel is like, you're a dummy and I don't like yeah. you. Yeah, that's all right. right. We're coming back with even more about these crazy <laughs> tweets.
1: While So let's talk a little bit about the metacognitive state that tweens enter, shall we? Because that's just like the fancy way to describe the gray matter. When I was like, it's gray matter. Amy, let's do that, please. (laughs) So I'm quoting here Dr. Laura Kermeyer. She's a clinical psychologist. I'll put the link to this article in the show notes. So... What happens with this age group is when you're able to have metacognition, it means that you're able to hold more than one point of view in your head at the same time, that I understand that you might disagree with me on whether mayonnaise is a valid condiment or something to have in your house. (laughs) Right. You might not feel the same way as I do about that. I think it shouldn't be there. You think that life is better with mayonnaise. It really takes until about this age... With that being a very silly example, obviously, before a human being can really understand, like, I can think this, and you can think that, and that's okay. We can see an event completely differently. We can have different feelings in response to something, and one isn't right and one isn't wrong. They're just different. So that's metacognition. The two different things can be true and equally true. Yes, so- they're just starting to figure that out and that you can have opinions and that the way you see things is your opinion and you can vouch for that and somebody else can have an opinion and vouch for that. So it makes for good classroom discussion because all of a sudden they love to fight about everything.
0: But also within that is a revelation on their part of the, oh my God, mom doesn't know everything. Oh, yes. And in fact, within it, there is a tremendous power of like, I know things mom doesn't know, right? And in fact, mom who has represented to me, I'm using mom because I'm thinking about my own situation. The royal mom. Yes. (laughs) The royal mom, meaning parent. Like parent is a dummy. Yes. Like parent is an idiot. And I'm smarter than parent. And parent is wrong when they tell me to go to the room. And parent is wrong when they tell me to go to my room. And even more importantly than the fact that they're wrong. I'm right. I'm being wronged by this person, you know? And so the implications of that understanding of different perspectives is explosive, very explosive and, again, important. We don't necessarily want our little angels to become smelly, door-slamming monsters. But I do think it's helpful to understand that it is developmentally appropriate that they are cleaving from us. It's, yeah, it's like a baby discovering his feet, right? Like, this is
1: what's happening at 11. Like, I have a point of view that's different than yours, and I'm going to hold on to it.
0: Yes. And the way to express it is loudly and often. Yes. And the
1: other thing that happens once you're aware that other people's opinions can be different than yours is you start to wonder what those ideas and opinions are. So like a kid that's been blissfully uninhibited up until now, right, and doesn't really brush their hair and just likes to talk about Pokemon all the time that all of a sudden is noticing that other people are different than them and what those other people are thinking and perceiving about
0: them becomes Terribly important. Oh my gosh. I can actually clock this, I feel like, in my house, which is the transformation of kids who are sort of blissfully happy because they're just being their weird selves all day. Yeah. And like I can almost plot it on a calendar the day that they first came home and said, I think I'm weird. Or I think, you know, people think I'm this or that. And it is, again, it is a very necessary skill for us as social animals to be able to perceive other people like it is an extremely useful skill to be able to be, let's say, at a job interview and reading the face of the person or forget a job interview at a cocktail party Mm -hmm. and say, oh, my voice is too loud for this space, or I am boring this person with this story. It is time to move on. Like, these are necessary life skills that they're developing. Or I'm in a situation where something has gone awry, like there's danger in this situation, whatever that perception gives you many gifts in life, but it also brings into focus, I might be a nerd. <laughs> and that never occurred to me in fifth grade. I just thought everyone was this into trains. Everybody likes everybody. right? Well, wait a minute. In seventh grade, I'm starting to realize that people think I'm lame for being this into trains.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what your peers think of you becomes super important also because like in the sort of caveman brain way of doing things, this is like the beginning of independence, right? It's your first step away from your parents. When your parents take care of you, you don't have to worry about what the tribe thinks of you. You go with your parents. But now this is like... The young lion is, you
0: know, young Nala and young Simba, right? Are starting to like... out in the cold by themselves. Scar has driven them out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And again, like, yes, you have to figure this out. You have to be able to be out and about, you know, in town or at the football game with your friends and figuring out how to navigate those situations. But... Also, while we say it's developed, it's developing. Right. So to a certain degree, you're developing these skills, but they're not fully developed. So it's very tricky. You're out there like trying them out and trying to figure out like, yes, I'm going to be cool by fitting in in this and this and this way. But if I try to be cool by pulling the fire alarm at school, I get expelled. Like you still are in. It's not like, okay, you were on this safe path and now you're on this cushy path. It's like you were kind of on this safe path, probably at home being, you know, protected and cared for. And now you are kind of Nala and Simba, like you've been kicked out and like, good luck on the path. You don't really know how to do what we're asking you to do.
1: Right which is why the kids at this age become suddenly so fixated on the thing that they need to wear. You know, it's a marker of group membership. Like I'm thinking when my kids who are now, I have a kid in college now, but when he was this age, he needed Under Armour sweatshirts and like neon colors, like visible from space, like neon orange and yellow. That's what you wore. And socks too. Nike socks that were like $15 a pair that came in these like, screaming ketchup and mustard colors. He needed to have those because that was how you marked yourself as a member of this tribe. Yes. And so whatever those things were, for me, it was alligator shirts. I wore J.C. Penny. No, they were Sears. There were dragon shirts from Sears. They were like Lacoste alligator shirts. Oh,
0: wait. Are you talking about the one with the knight on them? I had a Because that was for the kids who could not afford the alligator shirts. I had a dragon, a tiny fire-breathing dragon, which was adorable. But I... That was the other. There was Lacoste, which had the alligator. That was cool. Lacoste was cool. But then there was... It was called like... Ugh, I'm not going to be able to come up with it, but it was like a medieval-themed line and you had the busted ones which had the castle and the dragon on them now, this was like a C- yeah and like jc penny had them and sears had them and it just
1: was like this is not the tribe has spoken amy and you are out it is not the same like it's almost worse to have right something that's like that's an imitation nike socks in neon colors it's the worst and it was so important to me And it's just sort of funny, like, oh, haha, like seventh and eighth graders, they're like that. But that's the reason they're like the group dynamic is so important to me. I need not to stand out. I need to fit in. So I need to wear Jordache jeans, whatever the thing is for the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, in my middle school, the uniform was... I went to a public school. There wasn't a uniform, just to be clear, but there was a uniform, which was was (laughs) Benetton made a rugby shirt. It was like a rugby themed. It looked like a rugby uniform, but it said Benetton across the muddle. It was gigantic. It was enormous. And at the time, I mean, we're talking, I'm not going to say how many years ago, but it's decades ago. And it was $75, this shirt, which was, I mean, it might, like, I think today that's a $250 shirt. You're talking about for sure, very expensive. And then there was another one that was, again, puffy and oversized. It had stars on it. And then there was a little person standing in each star. I don't remember what brand this was, but like, those were the only two. You know it's so funny? That one doesn't ring a bell with me at, like, the Benetton thing does. The person
1: standing inside a star. Let me see if I can Google it and find a picture of it. Because it's just like... Like And we grew up like 100 miles apart, but, but completely different. You had to have the star with the person standing in it. I mean, sure, I believe you. It's just That's just so funny that I don't even know what you're talking about.
0: And there was a store in our... I mean, boring. I lived in like the kind of not wealthy town. And then right next to us was the super wealthy town. The super wealthy town's main store had like racks and racks of these two shirts. Like it was that crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wanted them, you know? But my parents said... It would not give me $250 for the uniform. And so I didn't have the uniform. Right. And it is incredible how deeply like lizard brain this stuff is in terms of you Here are, you are not about a <laughs> member of the tribe because you do not have the marker shirt that says I am a member of the tribe. Right. Right. That we have somehow as a group
1: decided is going to be the thing that we do. The other thing about this age group that marketers have understood is that they will try on stuff and then drop it just as quickly. Okay. Like you have a kid who will be like, I was just about to say, they'll be goth for like two weeks and then the purple lipstick is gone and then, and now they're sporty and now they're this and you're sort of like, what are they doing? That's a, that's also like completely, they think they have to try on these identities and then
0: they just, they can drop them just as quickly. We have definitely been riding that roller coaster at my house. I mean, very strong identities, and then two weeks later, a different but equally strong identity. Uh And I was going to say, when we were talking about the uniform shirts, too, the worst crime you could ever, even worse than not having the uniform shirt, would be getting it a month after the cool kids. Like That was... Even worse because they'd moved on, right? Like it moves fast. Oh my gosh. By the time you bought the shirt, if the cool kids had already had it for a month, you were like a triple outcast because it was clearly you were a wannabe. You were trying to be cool like them. I'm reading this
1: novel right now called I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. Oh, dying to read it. Just read it.
0: Read everybody. It's awesome. Her other book, The Great believers is in my top 10 of all time.
1: So this is it just makes me think of this. There's a story. It's about a woman who goes back to the boarding school that was, you know, mortifyingly where she spent her Awkward adolescence and returns as a teacher, and there's too calm involved, and it's it's great, you should be it. But anyway, she's remembering this stuff, returning as an adult, because as we were just saying, it runs pretty deep. And she tells the story. It's a novel, but this scene was amazing. She gets a skirt handed down from her much cooler, you know, prep school roommate from a wealthy family. And she's like, oh, you know, I don't, you know, need this anymore. And it was a J. Crew skirt and she was like oh my gosh thank you like it was a cool cool skirt and she puts it on the next day and she's walking across the quad and two and two girls are walking towards her and one of them says oh my god i remember that skirt that was from 2 years ago and you know the other girl's like oh yeah i used to have that skirt too and
0: she's just immediately like oh my god like i It's worse than not having it all. Yeah, it's the worst than not having it at all. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think that for kids trying to navigate this, there is, everybody's figuring this out. Like even the kids in the skirt, the cool skirt, even the cool kids are figuring this out. You know, they're all jockeying and figure because I think it's very easy and every movie and everything casts the popular kids as like the mean, awful ones. But they're also figuring this out. Like it's an ecosystem in which everyone is playing a very specific role, right? Yes. And and also PS, not
1: to pick on Jake Crew, but Jake Crew knows that this fickleness thing is there, so that's built into it. That's why there's new skirts every 6 months because they know that kids of a certain age will be like, that wasn't cool. That's from April. It's October. I need something completely different that they can, you know, sell you more stuff. Yeah, if there's quick turnover. Right, that they've
0: seen already. That's right. There's one
1: part of this we haven't talked about yet, and that's sort of our relationship with the tweens, other than that it changes. So can we take a break and come back and talk about how we're going to adjust?
0: I think we better, Amy. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that
1: sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying
0: And did we mention they come in delicious flavors
1: from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout
0: for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. And now, a list of things that used to be fine, but now your tween finds totally embarrassing. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Putting notes in their lunchbox. Could you stop doing that? Asking them how their day was. Can we
1: talk about this later? Being seen in public with
0: you in any context. Could you just stand a little farther away from me? Any form of singing. We're not gonna take it. No! Oh mom, please it. stop preparing their favorite foods i don't like chocolate chip pancakes anymore smiling of any sort cut that out please your humorous use of emojis heart eyes really mom making conversation with their friends this is so embarrassing trying to take their picture are you done this is so humiliating giving them a ride
1: to school i'll just walk from here attempting to discuss current bands
0: Seriously, I don't even know who One Direction is. The way you breathe. It's very annoying. This has been a list of things that used to be fine, but now your tween finds totally embarrassing. From the What Fresh Hell podcast.
1: Hey, honey, that's as cool as Gryffindor. I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. All right. So our kids are changing. Our kids are updating. I like to think of it as like they're buffering. You know what I mean? Like they're changing in front of your eyes. Like they're not in the new thing yet. (laughs) You know that little meme that's like virtual hug loading? It's
0: like that. Yes, they're
1: loading. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're glitching a little bit as they turn into somebody else. And so you have to figure out, experts say, how to, you know, relate to this updated version of your kid that's very different from they were from who they were, you know, a year or two ago. It's not bad. It's just different. And so how do you find a new way in? Okay. So this is Dr. Laura, Laura Kermeyer again, this uh, developmental psychologist. And she suggests that you need to lean in a little bit at this age, at this sort of transitional age when they're starting to slam doors and seek distance from you, that you still have to, she argues, sort of establish the closeness, a time and space. So, you know, once a week that you go for a walk because your kid is saying that they want to pull away from you and they want independence and you sort of collude with that tendency,
0: but they don't really want it. They don't want it all the time. You collude with that tendency. Let me just underline that phrase. Yeah, absolutely. This is the trick. And this is what I struggle with, which is that I am way too reactive to the negativity that comes in and it then exponentially increases the distance between myself and my kids because when I hear, comma, you idiot, I don't know what it is in my background, childhood, or DNA. (laughs) I cannot let it lie. I mean, I've gotten better because we've talked about it so much on the podcast, but my ability to not engage with someone talking to me like I'm an idiot is negative 20 in terms of I just have to come in and say, I will not be disrespect. You will respect my authority. I will not be tucked down to in my house. And in general, I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think that letting your kids treat you like garbage is a huge mistake. Oh, yeah. But I'm trying to find... That truth while also understanding that you don't have to swing at every pitch. You don't have to go out of your way to rise to every piece of bait, which is where I'm having a problem.
1: Or like in my case, I feel like it's like if they said like, don't you know anything on a Monday that when they come downstairs on a Tuesday morning, they still think you're a dumb dumb who doesn't know anything. Like I think I sort of internalize that stuff and it's not even like I'm going to make you pay I'm I'm resentful it isn't that it's just like well I guess they don't want me around like they used to like you sort of you opt out you know there are times when your kid is upstairs in their room and if you knocked on the door and said, hey, can I come in? And you you know sat down on the bed and like said, tell me what happened today at school, that they would be into it. And there would be times that they wouldn't be, of course. But you see, see what I'm saying? Like you can sort of start to back off a little too much a little too soon because that's what they seem to want, but they don't always want it.
0: Right. It's leave me alone. And you're like, I'd love to because you're horrible. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is they don't want to be left alone. Right. They want connection and they're going about it completely the wrong way. And also, I think it can be visually and psychologically confusing when you see a person who is your same height and speaking like in a very developed way, you are not peers with this person. You will probably never really be peers with this person. You are their parent, but especially when you are middle-aged versus 14 year old I think it can trick your mind into like, you're fighting with somebody as if they're your peer and you're really not. Right. And I think that this is a good time to tap into a lot of like, we had Dr. Becky and we can link to that episode, a lot of good inside work, like remembering to see this as your child who is wearing a disguise of a hideous, door slamming, smelly monster, that Taking that very good inside approach, I think, is very, very helpful. And believe me, friends, I'm not saying this because I'm doing a great job of it. I'm saying it because I'm trying really hard to fix what's not going well in my house right now, which is... And I have three kids the same age, so it does often feel, I mean, I literally sometimes will sit in bed with like slump shoulders, like, like a fighter who is coming out of like taking four rounds from three different boxers, you know, because that is what it feels like often in my house, which is I'm just everybody's garbage dump and then also where's dinner, you know. And Mm -hmm. so I do stand my ground and I have had talks with my husband about supporting me. He does often use the phrase, do not speak to your mother that way. And like, let's reset. But at the same time, de-escalating and trying to come from that place, which, you know, I think is a little tweet tweet of you seem to be having a really hard time. Like, do you want to take a break or do you want to talk about it now? Otherwise, let's take a break and we'll talk about it later. Like. You actually do need to use some techniques to go through it because otherwise you are just in, I am in the threshing machine right now of who's going to be yelling at me and talking to me like I'm the dumbest person on the planet this morning. Right. And I always feel like the well, you can't take it personally, but they're
1: saying like mom you're such an idiot like it isn't <laughs> wasn't somebody in the street. Right. That's meant personally. It's so hard. That's not an option for me to not take it personally. But the good inside thing, like when I hear that, I'm like oh that's, yeah, I did love that episode because you're also good inside. You mom are good inside. You're doing a good job and you don't need to convince the 12-year-old who's you know venting some spleen on you that you're good like I feel like sometimes I feel like I have to meet this even sometimes with a you may not speak to me that way but also like no 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 you're wrong I'm not trying to make things harder for you what do you mean I do like let me explain and then you'll understand that actually I'm a good person that only wants what's best for you and that's a great
0: point uh it doesn't work (laughs) it doesn't and you don't have to do it no it doesn't Work and you don't have to do it and you can't do it. I mean, this is like the old, right? You wrestle with a pig. The pig likes it and you're both dirty. Like the kid likes it. You know, they're getting something from getting that rise out of you. And I think, I think a lot of things. I think one thing is that finding opportunities. I tend to lean in a little bit on like trying to use like kids slang or trying to talk about Marvel movies or trying to hit the gritty. And they're like, oh, you're so embarrassing, mom. Like you don't even know how to hit the gritty. And I'm like, sure I do. And I do an unsightly dance. And it's like I try to lean in in safe spaces to playing the idiot more. And that is not natural for me. But I try, when Marvel comes up, to be like, I like that Spider-Man, you know, who's small like an ant. And they're like, you don't even know the difference between Ant-Man and Spider-Man. It's like, okay, great. I'm the dummy. Like, here we go. Or the things where they're... I mean, my daughter is very into fashion right now. And I have found that I'm like, do you like this outfit? And she's always kind of like, no, it doesn't look good. Like... (laughs) You're old and lame. And it really hurts my feelings. Like, I want her to think I'm cool, but I actually have to make a separation. I actually don't want her to think I'm cool on some level, too. But that's a little bit of a process for me. It's okay to process this. I think
1: that's it. We're being faced with a little bit of like, I had to wear the Sears Dragon shirt and I wasn't cool then. And I'm apparently also newly not cool now from somebody who used to think I was super cool. It's hard not to take it personally.
0: Yeah. And it is. It's hard. It is personal. And I mean, from, uh, you know, one of my kids said something the other day about basically how old I looked in comparison to someone who was clearly like only four years younger than me was an actress on TV. So she's like, I can't believe you guys are close to the same age. Like you look so much older than her. I'm like, yeah, she's on TV with like my Botox and makeup and like, okay, I look older than her. They were actually not saying it to be mean. They were saying it in that like honest child way. So it's like that bothers me. But then it also really bothers me that like they don't want to be besties with me anymore. It bothers me and it hurts my feelings. But I do try to play out. People who stay besties with their mom into their 40s. It's not a good picture, right? So like it's worthwhile work, but it's okay to acknowledge that it's really hard for a lot of different and valid reasons. It's okay to feel hurt about it. But it's then not okay to become, you have described, and I think about it all the time right now, like trying to memorize ba- oh. basketball facts so that you could like talk to your son. And I'm like, you you sound like his like needy girlfriend. Like you're like in behind the scenes, like <laughs> dancing to try to be right, you know, it'd be interesting to him. And like some of that is okay because we want to stay connected, but we don't want it to become our full-time job to be liked by a teenage boy or girl because... That is not our job. Yeah. It's painful. The separation part is
1: painful. And I will say, like, on the other side of this, I have a 20-year-old now, so I'm way on the other side of this. And I have a great relationship with that kid. Now, is it uh, like he doesn't need me to butter his toast anymore? Like, like, things are different. He's out of the house. But it doesn't mean the sort of sundering part when it's behind you, you think then you just, you know, you relate in those own terms. I still look up, that kid's still into basketball. I still know a little bit about basketball. So I have something to talk with my kid about. Still
0: staying in the game. Still staying in the game. Still know a little bit about basketball because
1: it's so interesting to him. And, you know, that's just fun. So I guess I just wanted to say that, that this doesn't like start hard at 10 and then stay, you know, this hard. They're not yelling at you that you're a dumb dumb forever.
0: No, and I, I will say from my personal experience that... I had a very kind of violent cleaving from my own mother in that I went whatever this like theory of mind, like I believe different things. Metacognition. Metacognition. I completely leaned in as a teenager. I thought my whole family was made up of like vicious squares. You know, I just was like. I was born in the wrong family, because I am cool. And these people stink. Yeah, I'm so much more interesting than them. I'm so different than them. And they care about stupid values, like school, and, you know, college, and I care about cool values, like being an independent thinker. All this to say, I went through probably two or three years where my mother and I had a very fractured relationship. I mean, we didn't, really not speak for those years, but we did not. We actually had a conversation where we sat down and we were like, we don't get along. We don't like each other. Let's stay away from each other, basically. And on the other side of that, I had a phenomenal relationship with my mom as an adult. But that part of our relationship We could never have had that phenomenal relationship had we not gone through. I mean, I could have probably been less of a jerk about it, but I do think that it was that separation that led to that closeness. So I try to be brave about it with my own kids because I have seen from the other side that really letting them grow wings and find that independence and be different than you and have different experiences than you means letting go of your bestie for a while. I think I'm going to just sum up, Amy, with this phrase. If you love someone, set them free. If they come back. Hashtag sting. If they come back, it was meant to be or something. I don't know,
1: but... It was meant to be... If it wasn't, I'm thinking about my shirt from the Wildwood Crest Jersey Shore t-shirt shop. If it didn't come, if they didn't, then it never was. Yeah,
0: something be. like that. I think it's meant to be. I think it's fine. But I do think... Your 10-year-old isn't gone for good. Don't let them be, you know, borderline abusive. Don't let them talk to you <laughs> like garbage. But do let them find an identity separate than you and don't be afraid to let your bestie be your worstie for a couple of years and it'll hopefully come (laughs) back. That's what I'm saying. We'll circle back around.
1: Love said you solved it. Yeah, I think we solved it. I want to tell you guys about What Fresh Health Plus. That is our new subscription model. You can always listen to the show for free. It's always going to be free. But if you want to get ad-free episodes plus monthly bonus episodes, just go to the link that's in the show notes or on our website, whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. What Fresh Health Plus is $4.99 a month or $39.99 a year. And we do hilarious bonus episodes that are not parenting related that make me laugh very hard.
0: (laughs) They are rather funny. And let me tell you, I'm learning a lot about Amy Wilson that I, I thought I knew a lot about Amy Wilson, but these episodes are changing it up. We're going into the vault. That's right. Learning and growing people. And with that, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. So long.